0: People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels.
3: Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: 283 days ago, Joe Biden abandoned Americans behind enemy lines. 13 days prior, he promised he wouldn't do it, and here we are. And nobody ever talks about it except us that I know of. Anyway, glad you're with us. It is primary day in five states. We'll give you a quick summary of it uh as we come up. Uh We'll also have Jeff Bartos on. He was one of the Senate primary candidates in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. He didn't win. It's now come down to Oz and Dave McCormick. And here we are a week out, and we don't have an answer. This is unacceptable on every level imaginable. It is so bad in terms of, you know... I don't get into this with Bartos in more detail because this should not happen in this country. We deserve better. The people of Pennsylvania deserve better. You know, most of the states in this country can get their elections done and done right. Here it is a week later, and we still haven't counted all the votes at this time. Never mind that they have an automatic recount because it was a close race. Uh, Right now, Dr. Oz is up around 1,000. Um, I think there's very little in terms of votes left out there. Maybe some military, not expected to be a lot. There's, we'll get into this. Uh, I, there's a battle over whether or not unsigned ballots now will be counted, provisional battle, ballots to be counted, etc. I'm not going to get in the middle. That's a total shift show. I've given my opinion on it, and I I, I think it's a bad idea because... Uh, I think this would, in a general election, ultimately hurt any Republican candidate who, uh, whoever emerges. Um, we have the recount. So when this, we're not going to know definitively till like middle of June or early June. It's, a, it's crazy. Um, and I'll tell you why it's so unacceptable. How is it that we get to this point? Every other state, look at election year 2020, right?
3: Every,
2: how all these states reported we knew by 11 o'clock at night. Why can't Pennsylvania adopt a system that we would have known the results that night? And if there was a question about this provisional ballot, that provisional ballot, what? Why is there any ambiguity in any of this? Because it's now getting embarrassing, you know. And and I still argue, like I did in 2020, that Bill 77, where the state legislature literally circumvented the exact specific language in the Pennsylvania Constitution which says, quote, in the event that a person's duties, occupation, business require them to be elsewhere or who on the occurrence of any election are unable to attend their proper polling place because of illness, physical disability, or who will not attend a polling place because of an observance of a religious holiday, who cannot vote because of Election Day duties in the case of a county employee. That's what the Constitution said rather than Remedy that as as you would normally would, and that would be you amend the Constitution, which is a difficult process. They went the easy route. And then I would argue unconstitutional route circumvented their own constitution and they passed the law in Pennsylvania. Dumb idea. This this is not this is not following the rule of law. If we don't have laws that we follow, then we are lawless. It's a pretty simple, fundamental thing. Um, and and it's it's really create it, it creates uncertainty, it creates anxiety in people, it creates you know it these integrity measures that I always talk about and I won't list now are so simple, so fundamental, so they're needed to be adopted by every state, and we need results that day, the latest the next morning, the latest in the next morning, because all of this is preventable, all of it. We don't need to go through this every single solitary election. Look, Canada, for example, managed to confirm confirm their results. This is countrywide, the entire country of Canada, and they had a, a very close race and they were able to determine the winner in less than 24 hours. 32 million votes cast. Major democracies all over the world are able to produce nationwide results in a single night. By the way, if I had my way, we should have Election Day should be one day and every unless you have a real good reason, one day and election day, that's the day people vote. You need the the voter ID, signature verification, all those things that Democrats don't want. I will argue because of nefarious intentions. You know, look at, for example, the runoff election in the presidential election in France. In less than twenty four hours, thirty two million votes cast, they had the winner. In 2016, when the UK was voting on Brexit, the referendum, 33 and a half million people turned out to vote in Great Britain, and it took them about a day to get the full results. You know, we're talking about a million four versus 35 million. Are you kidding me? This is, this is just unacceptable. We'll get into that though in the course of the program. And it's just wrong, you know, and then, and then the issue of, oh, Uh, we got to take this issue to court to see if the statute is legal. It's it's insane. On a good note, we have Republicans now have opened up, according to Rasmussen, a nine-point lead on the generic ballot. And if elections were held for Congress today, 48% of likely U.S. voters would vote for the Republican candidate. 39% would vote for the Democrat. That's good news. Um, We're watching five separate states, probably the most interesting or what that which will be talked about the most and we'll have full coverage on hannity tonight at nine o'clock uh insider advantage fox 5 poll has david Perdue uh down by 14 points which is a lot less than the 30 point lead reported by others now here's what's pretty interesting in georgia the early voting numbers tallies are through the roof now, I'm going to get an update from Matt Towery because he knows Georgia. Him and Robert Cahaley know better than anybody. Uh, and apparently turnout today is also through the roof. As of Friday night, 487,000 people had already voted. That's four times the number that voted in the Georgia 2018 election. That's pretty incredible here. Um, anyway, so we've got a monster GOP turnout. Might turn some of these polls and some of these races on their ears uh, and, and Matt will give us a, an on-the-ground, upfront perspective on all of this. Um, we're going to be watching very closely the race to replace uh, retiring Senator Richard Shelby. Uh, that's the case where Mo Brooks, who I knew from my days down in Alabama, I used to fill in on my radio show host. He was the Madison County DA at the time. Uh, and who I supported in this race. The president was. They had a little falling out. I'm not sure what it was about, but I've always liked Mo. He's a great guy. And um, anyway, he's going up against uh, Katie Boyd Britt, uh, Shelby's former chief of staff. Mike Durant, the owner of an aerospace company, who's known best for uh, being a helicopter pilot, shot down, captured in the events inspired that inspired Black Hawk Down, um, so we're watching that race very, very closely uh, tonight. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is expected to win the Republican primary for Arkansas governor. We've endorsed Sarah very enthusiastically. I think the world of her, I think she'll be a great governor for the people of, of Arkansas. I don't know what's happened to Asa. But he's gone woke, it seems, on a lot of these issues. Um, the, the fascinating thing in Georgia, too, is you got Herschel Walker, who's way up in the polls, I think he will beat Raphael Warnock in a general election, too early to tell, but uh, he is one of the most loved figures ever in the state of Georgia, and he should be. He's one of the nicest, kindest people you'll ever meet in your life. Well, Hannity went through a tough period, and he talked about it in his book. Yeah, if you got hit in the head as often as Herschel Walker, you might go through a tough uh, period in your life, too. This, this CTE, as they call it, that is a real phenomenon. Football players getting hit that hard, that repeatedly in their heads. And it is it's it's a very dangerous sport um, anyway. So we're watching the early voting. We're watching the turnout today. Um, I know in Texas we've got the Attorney General Ken Paxson is uh, going up against George P. Bush Um I like both of them. Um, I think George P. Bush. Some people are saying this is a referendum on the Bush family. I, I, I don't believe any. I don't think any of these people are referendums on anybody. Like you know, for example, the president supporting Purdue against the sitting governor in Georgia, and you know, we'll see if that gets to a runoff. That if I was David Purdue, that's what I'd be looking for. We had him on the program last night. Uh, I'll say this: Stacey Abrams certainly did not help herself out at all. And she wants to be the governor of the state of Georgia. But she declared over the weekend that Georgia is the worst state in the country to live. She actually said those words. It's not sitting well with voters um, going into this primary election. Uh, And my answer to her is, well, if you don't like it, Stacey, you know, there's 49 other states you're free to go live in. If you think Georgia is the worst state. I lived in Georgia four years. I can tell you it's one of the best states in the country. I love Georgia, uh, everywhere from Atlanta to Savannah and everywhere in between. It is a beautiful, beautiful state with wonderful people. Here's what she said.
4: I'm tired of hearing about being the best state in the country to do business when we are the worst state in the country to live. When you're number 48 for mental health, when you're number one for maternal mortality, when you have an incarceration rate that's on the rise and wages that are on the decline, then you're not the number one place to to live in the united states but we can get there Gwinnett.
2: now georgia what's interesting remember when they were updating their voting laws in georgia to, to have more integrity in the process etc i still don't think they went far enough uh i think they should have one standard for example on signature verification that has not been resolved it needs to get resolved before the midterms in my view um, but remember the accusations at the time and uh, Jim Crow 2.0 and all those comments, President Biden calling the law a blatant attack on our Constitution and, and good conscience and and ascribed it the Jim Crow of the 21st century and was supportive when Major League Baseball moved their All-Star game in 2021 out of Atlanta as a response. Biden urging Congress to pass sweeping federal laws. You know, calling it the For the People and John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. They don't want any standards. Why don't they want standards? Why not why not voter ID? I need voter ID to buy a beer. I need voter ID to go visit Joe Biden in the White House if he ever invited me. I need voter ID to get into the Capitol. I need voter ID to get a jewel pod for crying out loud. I need it to get, you know, a bottle of wine or a bottle of Tito's vodka. A little bit of roses lime juice, not bad, pretty good. Um, so we're watching all of this, and it's going to be interesting. Five states holding these elections. Uh, Alabama, the polls close, I believe, it's 7 p.m. Arkansas, 7.30. Georgia, 7. So probably by 9 o'clock, we're going to be getting a pretty good picture of where the night is, is headed. And uh, I hope you'll tune in tonight. Uh, we're going to get a, a picture on the ground. I don't know what's going on in Georgia, though. I am told the turnout is massive. I have been told that the early voting was massive. I, I, is there something that's, that maybe the pollsters are not picking up here? Anyway, we'll get Matt Towery's take on it. Um.
4: Sean Hannity. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7
3: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Reality Podcast.
2: All right, as roll along, 800-9-0-1. Sean, a hundred days. Joe Biden has not even had a mainstream media mob interview, which is a fluffy interview for him. You know why? Because he can't handle it. He's not up to the task. I mean, that's how sad this is. This has gotten. Here's the scariest thing, though. Biden has said, and he's abroad right now, and he actually says, "the the country," meaning the United States is going through an incredible transition away from fossil fuels via higher gas prices being experienced nationwide. And then he made the statement on gas prices during a joint presser with the prime minister of Japan. And he said, here's the situation. And when it comes to gas prices, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that God willing, when it's over, will be stronger and the world will be stronger and less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over. So he's, he's basically saying, I'm okay with six dollar a gallon gasoline and maybe higher. I'm perfectly fine. The national average is near five dollars a gallon. Are you kidding me? Uh, you're because everything we buy at every store we go to costs more because of his economic and energy policies. You know now we're running out of diesel. Now reports we're running out of uh, jet fuel. You know what that means? You want to get on a jet? It's going to cost you a fortune more because fuel is costing the airlines a fortune more. And he's perfectly fine with it, sort of like Buddha Judge and and Grand Home and all the rest of them. Uh, yeah, their uh, high prices are here to stay, and until we can get uh, energy independence from green energy, the technology does not exist. The technology is not present. It's it's not an option. And he artificially reduced the light, the world supply of the lifeblood of the world's economy. And the results have been disastrous. Look at this. New home sales plummeted 16.6%. Oh, and Joe's answer, a Band-Aid again. 40 million barrels of crude oil from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve. That is meaningless. You know, Biden finally admitting that this energy boondoggle is sending gas prices through the roof. He said, you know, yesterday, this incredible transition... He's bragging about it, meaning he's not going to lift a finger to stop it. The answer is simple. It is basic. It is fundamental. And it is obvious. We have oil, gas, and, and coal in abundance over 200-plus years to supply this country. Plenty of time to develop new energy in the meantime. Saving money at the pump over Memorial Day? Forget it. Home says high gas prices are the result, uh, denies they're the result of of Joe Biden's policies. He inst- he instituted this new green deal climate alarmist religious cult madness.
3: show talking about what's right for america
2: with a renewed commitment to keep you up to date on the breaking news stories all right 25 now till to the top of the hour 800 941 sean you want to be a part of this extravaganza so we're watching five states holding election primaries today alabama arkansas georgia uh, Minnesota has a congressional district and Texas, that's where the AG runoff is. Interesting stories. Probably the most interesting story of the night is going to be in Georgia. Uh, Herschel Walker has a significant lead in the race uh, to get the Republican nomination. I think he'll be a great senator and I believe he will defeat Raphael Warnock. I don't think that's there's, there's any question to that. Um, there's a phenomenon though happening in Georgia. Early voting numbers came in nearly 500,000. These numbers are through the roof. Nobody anticipated this. Since early this morning, people that I know in Georgia, I lived in Georgia four years. I love Georgia. Unlike Stacey Abrams, I love Georgia. Um, it's not the worst, worst state in the country to live. She wants to be the governor of that state. <laughs> Good luck with that comment. Um, anyway, so all day I've been hearing from people anecdotally. That the turnout is massive. The turnout for the early voting was dramatically bigger than it was in 2018. Now, I'm not sure what that means. Um, one of the best, we have two great pollsters out of Georgia. Uh, of course, our friend Robert Cahaley uh, with Trafalgar. And then we have Matt Towery with Insider Advantage. And he did a poll leading up to this, unlike some of the other uh, polling that came in in the last week or so saying David Perdue had no shot at a runoff with with sitting Governor Brian Kemp. Um, he's saying that he he has a twelve point race and Kemp only leading by two points in terms of getting into a runoff. Now here's the interesting part of it. Um, it's always hard to take on an incumbent governor, but there's never been a case in in the modern era in Georgia where an incumbent in a runoff won the election. So that's pretty interesting. So, I mean, does this mean this unpredicted turnout? Um, Does that mean that maybe all these forecasts need to be thrown out the window? Because nobody saw this part coming. Anyway, Matt Towery, Insider Advantage, joins us now. I'm hearing it from a lot of people and people that are credible to me. Uh, Is the turnout really that big?
1: Oh, yes. I didn't expect, Sean, the same day turnout, the election day turnout, to be that strong. In fact, I even said yesterday when we released our poll, I thought it would be maybe 20% of the vote, 25%. I thought that early voting had basically just been an acceleration of what would be the election day vote. Oh, no. Um, Now, if you read like the Atlanta newspaper, you'll think, oh, it's just this small trickle of that's not the case. Um, it, most everybody in the political world knows right now in Georgia that the Republican areas, particularly in North Georgia, counties like Cherokee, right on the edge of Atlanta to the north, for sight, up in the, to the northwest, Lumpkin, you have Pickens, Gilmer. All of these counties uh, that are significant MAGA areas um, are turning out at very high levels and unexpectedly high levels. We may approach... Between 900,000 and a million votes by the end of the day. And I can tell you about three to two hundred fifty to 300,000 of those votes were not anticipated, which means that this race, I'm not saying it's going to run off. I think it's been, I think it could because uh, the candidate Purdue basically quit spending money uh, in the last two weeks of his campaign and went dark on TV. It's hard to win when that happens. But there were other outside groups that did keep this going. And uh, now it looks to me like, my evaluation, is that the Kemp campaign decided to bring in Chris Christie, uh, Vice Vice President Pence, Doug Ducey from Arizona. These are people who are not exactly considered to be friends of President Trump. And in my personal opinion, that decision has accelerated a massive turnout in North Georgia of Trump supporters.
2: You know, this is this is pretty fascinating to me because I, I had kind of written it off. I saw the poll, and then you you actually talked me back down and said, "No, nah, you can't go by this AJC poll or whatever poll it was." And I should have known better. The AJC really likes me. You do know, Matt, that uh, I was there, <laughs> yes. and when I when I left to go to the Fox News Channel uh, as it was going on the air, I was there from day one. Uh, at the end of the year in twenty, what is it? It was 20. I'm trying to remember the exact year. I'm not sure of the time. 1996. That's when it was. 1996 was a great year for two reasons. The Olympics came and Sean Hannity left. They don't like me there. I don't know why. Why is that? Jill Vanoska used to like me. She was pretty nice. I used to like her. She worked at the AJC. Yep. Um, Rodney Ho's a pretty good guy. Uh, Anyway, so what do you. So you're interpreting this. And I'm not sure how to interpret it based on the geographic location of where you see the highest turnout and based on the, the short numbers of people showing up, which nobody anticipated. Um, does this mean that there is a really good shot Purdue could get into a runoff with, with Kemp? That would be amazing.
1: Well, there's certainly a shot, so your listeners will know. Most of the polls had this a 60-30 race with Kemp winning easily. My poll had uh, Kemp at about 52, our insider advantage poll, and we only had Purdue at about 37 or 38, but there are other candidates in the race, and in Georgia, of course, you have to win with 50% of the vote plus plus one vote. Um, It's hard to say, it is easy to say this. This was unexpected. The pollsters did not expect this. I expected it a little more than the others, and I think so did Robert Hayway. I think we're the only two. Um, and um, the, I don't think the campaigns expected this. So what's going to happen tonight, you'll see the early numbers. They will likely be early voting numbers. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that Kemp was winning the early vote. How much, we don't know, but it could be substantial. But as the night wears on and these same-day votes come out, based on the polling that we've done, That number is going to compress. Whether it can compress enough to get him under 50%, I don't know. As I said, the president is very popular in Georgia. Purdue's campaign simply ran out of gas. I mean, they simply didn't have – you can't be on TV without TV and have the other side pelting you and not respond and expect for it not to be hurt. At the same time, they kept a great ground uh, ground game. They pressed on. uh, They've worked every small city in the state. And some of the positions – for example – Purdue came out as, as being very pro-life. I think that's moving. For example, Fayette County and Coweta County are very um, conservative um, Christian uh, 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 electorate areas of Metro Atlanta, South Metro Atlanta. I'm told they have turned out in gangbuster numbers. I expect to see Perdue do very well there. So what, it's going to be interesting to see the combination of the decision to bring in these anti-Trump folks at the end. The decision for Trump's uh, PACs and groups to continue to support Purdue, even when he had no money, and the decision uh, basically for the Kemp campaign to just sort of go quiet the last five days takes them close to the position of a runoff. It's going to be closer than 60-30. I can assure you that. But you're, but I can assure you the networks and the newspapers that don't know anything about Georgia, they'll see the first returns that say, oh, it's over at 60-30. <laughs> well, hang on and watch.
2: Well, I'm going to be watching closely. I'll be live on the air. Um, what's the reaction in Georgia? What's the likely fallout from Stacey Abrams calling Georgia the worst state to live in?
1: Oh, it it is, uh, it is big time. Um, I'm now in Florida, but I'm a native Georgian. I have entire advantage still in Atlanta and I keep constant contacts there. As you know, serving in the legislature there. Uh,
2: well, you also ran for Lieutenant Lieutenant Governor. Governor. I mean, you have a long history there.
1: I do long history and uh, history. You and I go back a long way from there. The, the, the fact is that people are stunned because Stacey is thought to be a pretty savvy uh, political operative. The fact that she made that statement, even though she tried to give, give some preface to it and context, and, you know, you say things sometimes with context, but you don't expect that they're going to necessarily be kept in context. It has been a disaster. And I think her campaign will have to dig their way out of this for quite some time to come uh, because certainly Camp uh, or Purdue. Whichever ends up being the nominee, I'd
2: I d- I it. would just run that. Oh, I would run that. Every ad I ran, I would run that clip in every single ad, and I would not stop the entire campaign.
1: It will be, it will be the centerpiece of the gubernatorial race in Georgia, no doubt about it. It was, it was probably one of the biggest mistakes any candidate. And you know, I've told people I think Stacey can be very hard to beat. And I could base it on demographics and other things. But I can tell you, she just set herself back a point or two by making that statement
2: today. What about Herschel Walker, who I think is a – he's more than anything else, he's a phenomenal person. And somebody I've gotten to know very closely and somebody that I like a lot. Uh, In my very studio uh, in New York, right here where I am, we actually did push-ups together. He couldn't believe I could do as many as I could do. (laughs) And I'm like, I do it every day, Herschel. And then I go, how many do you do a day? Oh, 2,000. I'm like, oh, okay, you win. <laughs> I don't do 2,000 well,
1: a day. It's why I'm not doing mixed martial arts with you, Hannity. Um, By the way,
2: he <laughs> I, did, we have that in common, too, because he actually stepped into the octagon. I love this guy.
1: I, I know. He does. So so I, this is a 20-second story. Had a national reporter talking to me a couple of days ago and said, now, you know, I know Herschel Walker, and he's sort of liked in Georgia and has decent name idea i said wait let me stop you right
2: yeah decent no a hundred
1: percent yeah i said he is as close to a walking human deity as you can have in the state of georgia so for gosh sakes don't write that you won't sound like you know about what you're writing about walker starts with that great advantage he also has a a couple of hidden advantages he's been visiting these uh, african-american churches for the last three or four months He needs to pick off a little bit of that African-American vote that otherwise would turn out for Stacey Abrams and would go for Warnock. I think he's going to do that in the general. I also think he's going to enthuse the MAGA base probably more than whoever the nominee for governor is, whether it's Purdue or Kemp. And so really, the whole general election centers around Herschel Walker. Amazing. I agree with you. Like he did with the University of Georgia, he's got to carry the ball and the entire defensive line across the goal line with him. And He'll, he's certainly capable of doing that's it.
2: That's the guy that's capable of doing it. All right, Matt Towery, Insider yeah, Insider Advantage. Thanks for that uh, update. We're going to be watching on Hannity tonight very closely. Appreciate you being with us. Sure, Sean. Um, oh, by the way, I meant to tell you this. New York Magazine's Intelligentsia, intelligentsia or whatever they call the column Um They did a column, a growing number of Democratic Party power brokers are now hoping to dump Joe Biden in 2024, and they're now searching for an alternative candidate. This is from New York Magazine, hardly a conservative magazine. As they look forward to uh, 2024, Democrats are unified in their conception of doom, the restoration of Trump, uh, joined down ballot by anti-democratic Republicans who will end free and fair elections and any hope of combating climate change. Many plugged in Democrats were calculating the contingencies during a recent meeting of the party's establishment in Pinehurst, a golf resort in North Carolina. Inflation was at a 40 year high. Biden's disapproval rating uh, was near 60 percent. And editors of The New York Times were readying a front page report about how his signature achievement, the $1.9 trillion coronavirus spending, had barely registered with voters. And if Biden's health turned, or if the polling, what do you mean if his health turned? It's turned. It's turned dramatically, even since he's been in office. Anyway, or if his polling truly collapsed, which the party's governors might step up and save them from an electoral ruin and a nightmare of a Trump comeback. I'm scared to death of Trump. Trump lives takes up more space in people's minds than any single one person I've ever met in my life. Um, but anyway, so lately some of Biden's associates have reminisced uncomfortably about his obvious exhaustion during the 2020 primary and expressed weariness about the prospect of another campaign. I'm 66 and I'm exhausted, one of his longtime buddies said. I can't even imagine being 78, 79, 80, 81, and 82 and starting again. Um, who are they going to go to? Kamala? I don't think so, Buddha Judge. God help us. I mean, I laugh at the thought of that. You know, with his wealth of experience as the mayor of South Bend, Are you kidding? Oh, and by the way, you'll love this too. Biden is about to sign an executive order for a brand new crackdown on on police. Uh, this is a a headline out of uh, I forgot where I got this. Right. Anyway, it's bad enough that in 2020 Biden endorsed the defund the police movement. We know Kamala did, and we now see the effects of defund, dismantle, and no-bail laws. Anyway, uh, April Ryan saying the President Biden will mark the anniversary of George Floyd's death by signing an executive order on Wednesday to establish new rules and regulations for federal law enforcement officers. Um, and, you know, here it is two years later. A source familiar with the executive order said Biden's unilateral move is an effort to be responsive after congress failed to pass the george floyd justice and policing act uh, okay how's this working out for everybody defund dismantle the police not working out very well you got the economy is shambles the world is in a state of crisis and we have we have a president that can barely speak probably does not know that today is tuesday maybe somebody can remind him in the white house between naps anyway 800 941 our number